Today's episode is sponsored by Lead Pages, an easy drag and drop model to create unlimited mini sites or landing pages for just about anything, including social media campaigns or single property sites. Stop wasting time on clunky websites and try Lead Pages today. For a 14 day free trial, you can visit reraw.com forward slash lead pages. Again, that's reraw.com forward slash lead pages. Looking to take you and your real estate business to the next level? You're in the right place. Laying foundations for real estate success? This is the No Fluff, No BS podcast about real estate for real estate agents and other industry professionals looking to up their game. Unfiltered short form sales meetings, interviews with agents from every walk of life, and ramble sessions about everything real estate. Welcome to a new mindset. You are listening to Reraw. And now, introducing your host, James Hoff. Well, hello, real estate world. So, one of my favorite days of the week, we've got another Wednesday interview. And to help us get over the hump, we're going to tap into the mind of another pro in the business, learn what they're doing, and see if we can adopt any of their principles for our own use. Before we go deep into that, make sure that you visit our website, reraw.com. That's R-E-R-A-W.com. Check out the show notes, gain access to any of the tips, tools, tricks, resources, all that stuff that we talk about on today's show is going to be right there. Also, if you have any questions or comments or you'd like to dive into a ramble session or things you want to learn from our future guests, go ahead and send me a note directly through the website so that we can uh, work on incorporating that. And last don't forget to put your email address out there so that I can bother you from time to time with, I don't know, stuff that might be helpful for your business. All right, enough of the fluff. Let's uh, let's jump right into things. I think it's about time we dive into the raw side of the business with our guest, Chris. You ready to go, my man? I'm ready, man. So we. Well, my guest today, Chris Robertson. Chris has been a licensed realtor now for 12 years. You're getting up there, man. Now... Brings us some knowledge from the lending side of the business as well. Last year, Chris crushed over $11 million in sales volume and is operating a small team. You started a small team, right? I did. Yeah. Started small a small team, a very small team. <laughs> uh, coming in from, uh, from all angles with his experience, Chris is an expert in foreclosures and relocation referrals and a guy that kind of knows his way around when it comes to generating leads and building relationships that provide referral and repeat business from past clients. Chris is totally making it happen out here. So appreciate you being here on the show today, man. Excited to have you. Yeah, man. Excited to be here. I appreciate you uh, inviting me into your domain here and your recording studio. And uh, yeah, it's pretty awesome seeing this, uh, having you visualizing, talking talking with you, visualizing this uh, to actual execution and listening to the podcast is pretty awesome, dude. I'm yeah, thanks. I, I bet the recording studio looks a little different than you visioned, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it works. Yeah, we'll build, we'll build up over time. You know, you mm-hmm. got to start with a little more informal. We're, we're sitting here in our suite. We'll make it work. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, the evolution is fun. Well, listen, I figure before I get started, started on like the business side of stuff, I'd go ahead and ask you to fill us in on, you know, the gentle soul behind the real estate monster that you are. And uh, maybe tell us a little bit about your personal life. What do you got going outside of the the working world? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, basically just married um, two kids. Uh, I've got a three and a five year old Um, coming up on my seven year marriage anniversary. And uh, we were together for quite a while before that. But uh, just family guy, you know, um, just like the show. Exactly right. I feel like I'm pretty simple in that regard. Um, 
but yeah, so the gentle soul, is that the way you put it? Something like that, behind, behind the, the real estate monster. When I turn off the beast mode, right? <laughs> uh, so yeah, spend a lot of time with my family. I like to uh, just kind of, as, as best I can, um, I know you talked about balance, finding balance on another podcast uh, episode. And uh, yeah. That's Gosh, does it. such a thing exist? I mean, I feel like it's a, a constant battle. It's I don't know if balance really exists, but making the effort, I guess, is what counts. You know, it's tough because um, balance is one of those things where, you know, every, yeah, I don't know how to find a balance, really. I mean, you do what you do best. And uh, in my case, I feel like I kind of do what I love and I'm enjoying what I'm doing. And if I, if at any point in time I wasn't enjoying it, I'd be out. And uh, as far as family, you know, that's family is a big thing for me because growing up and again, in, from talking to you earlier, this isn't one of those, woe was me, you know, my parents weren't around, I was a latchkey kid, all that kind of stuff. Um, but the reality is that was the case. So uh, I think it's it's probably more important to me than anything to find a family balance and spend time with my family. That's really cool. Yeah, and that can be tough to do in a, in a space like real estate where our client expectations are always just super demanding of us. So um, I actually was going to talk to you about that a little bit later, but maybe we can just dive into that now since it, it seems to be part of the conversation. You know, what what is your kind of success story? Like, what is your vision of success and what are your goals? I mean, are they all financial? Do you want time with family? Is there that balance between or like what's kind of your like, what does that story look like for you overall? Overall, I mean, I think hopefully anybody in the business wants some financial gain. Um, I mean, we're not saving the manatees here, so, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's one of those things where unless that's your cause, if that's your thing, that's good. That's cool. Uh, but yeah, I think more important for me is, um, is being able to, it's kind of two things in one. It's like getting to the goals I want, uh, and then altering my family tree. Right. So leaving behind a legacy, like legacy is huge for me Mm -hmm. and legacy doesn't have to mean hundreds of millions of dollars, that would be nice. But uh, it can also mean moments, memories, and things like that as well. So, um, you know, anyway, to kind of get the overall view, I guess, is basically, yeah, for financial gain, I'm in business for business, and it is a for-profit business. And I, you know, like to monetize my time as best I can. But at the same time, I think just the underlying foundation for my life overall is being present in the present moment. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. So $11 million in production is, uh, you know, it's pretty decent. It's a, it's a good hustle in the business and in California, it may not take as many transactions as it might in some parts of the country <laughs> to get there. So, uh, yeah. some of you out there might be flipping us the bird on that one, but that's okay. Uh, you know, it still takes a lot of work and it's a pretty saturated market. So it's competitive in and of itself. Um, but what is like, what does that look like for you? Do you, do you go into your business and approach it and say this year, I want to do 11 million this year. I want to do 15 next year. I want to do 20 or 25 or 30, or in order to find that balance in your personal life and the time with your family, do you like, do you cap your, your sales volume goal or do you just leverage your time differently by doing what you're doing now, like starting a small team or. Yeah. So that's a good question. I think leveraging the time is, is really my 
that's really my goal. Um, I don't, I don't cap my goals. I think that, and I like to, I like to say commitments really, you know? So like last year, for instance, uh, 11 million, I feel like I'm operating on a level three out of 10. And I mean, that may sound like, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know how that sounds to somebody, but someone, they might go, Oh, that's a lot of, that's a lot of business. And there's other people sure. who say, well, it's not. Um, I did actually did not hit my goal last year, which was, so I, I'm, I think I beat myself up a little bit too much. Um, but I, maybe we all do. You how do you, I mean? how do you feel about the effort that, that you put in last year though? So you feel like a, a three out of 10 might be 11 million in your, on, on your list of, of goals or commitments, but like, how did you feel on a, on that same scale out of 10? Like what, where would you grade your effort? Effort? I mean, yeah, if I giving myself a grade, I don't know. I don't know exactly where I put myself on the scale. I mean, I show up, I do what I need to do. Um, I guess what I mean is, uh, my goals do fluctuate and I do have higher goals this, this year. Sure. Uh, I kind of in goals or commitments, however you want to put it. I think a goal is something you, you know, you, you put your mind to, and then if you don't hit your goals, you kind of go, ah, I didn't hit my goal. A commitment is one of those things where you feel, you know, it's, you're convicted to like get it done, you know, like this Absolutely. is something almost like a marriage vow, you know what I mean? It's like, this is happening and this is the way it, I'm, and then you map it out. And I know you're big on goal. Well, commitments, goals, however you want to put it. I know you're big on that as well. So, yep. um, yeah, in fact, our first sales meeting, we talked about that. So, uh, you know, Chris is tapping into something here that, that I think is pretty valuable. And, and, you know, when it comes to goal setting or setting commitments, as Chris calls it, you know, it's, it's something that um, it's very personal. You know, everybody has a different success story. I mean, that's why we're here to, to talk about that, because we want people to understand and we want you agents out there to realize that, you know, your success story is not less valid because you're making less or because you set that commitment or goal to a, a lower level. It's just because there's other things that you may be uh, seeking in your life as well. Uh, in our first sales meeting, we talk about setting goals and we did that on three different levels so that you have, you know, your need, which is your, this is your bottom dollar. Like you're absolutely getting that at, at all costs because that's your operation, like to live kind right. of money. Right. Mm. Um, I talk in this first sales meeting about how after that you, uh, you know, after you've gone through your first year and, and you know what you're capable of, I set my need goal or my commitment to what I did the previous year so that I'm always chasing the best I've ever done. Right. You know, so I'm always upping that game. But, you know, I like I like what you're talking about. You make a you make a commitment. So we talk about word goals and having having the appropriate mindset, you know, having having things in place so that you always stay hungry. And I like that level of commitment because it's something that's a lot more firm and assertive and it makes it kind of a non-negotiable. It's not something you're chasing. Right. It's something you're definitely doing, something you're doing and you're committed to doing. I mean, every day, you know, I look at my numbers and, you know, like we all we all have different um, options. Everyone's got to choose your own adventure. So, you know, you decide where, where you're going to go based on different milestones in your life and what have you, um, financial or otherwise mine, as we talked about stem from, I, I have a strong, uh, I don't know how you would put it, but just my, my family is, is number one on my list, you know, so spending time with my kids, spending time with my wife, um, Instead, and I'm not talking about taking like lengthy vacations and things like that, but basically taking mini a series of like mini vacations. So even if they're three or four day weekends, or if they're 
maybe I'm, I'm hosting open houses or working during the weekend, showing buyers around, uh, you know, so maybe during the week I take one or two days off, something like that is that's where I think I can kind of try to find a balance, um, in my own personal life. Now, how negotiable is that time you talk about it might be a three day week, it might be a four day weekend. It could be a day or two here or there. Uh, you know, presumably you skate town, maybe take advantage of the beach or, you know, head mm -hmm. out, um, you know, wherever with your family, but, how, how negotiable or how flexible is that time? I mean, do you do you go out of your way to protect it? Do you completely shut off when you're out there with with the kids and, and your wife? And that's a good question. So uh, some of our little mini vacations we do, like, you know, from time to time, we'll go to Joshua Tree uh, or, or we'll go to other parks um, where there's literally no cell coverage. Oh, that's cool. And so you're like forced to shut down. That's it. I mean, you go. It gives me anxiety. Yeah, you, it, <laughs> just talking about it, you know, Um it, because we're so tethered, right? I mean, and even though we're like, you know, wireless society now, we're still tethered to these devices. And um, so it's it's nice to be able to plan something and inevitably, right, something comes up, you know, a client calls or, um, you know, maybe you get a referral or it's like I don't – I think what you're asking is I don't intentionally wind down my business uh, to go out and, and go on these vacations and time with my family, but being present in the moment is important. So, um, when, when I go into the park or when we go on a trip somewhere, just not constantly looking at my phone, mm -hmm. not having to worry about, you know, uh, returning someone's call or email on time or else the world implodes, you know, it's like that feeling, sure. you know, kind of the, the, you were talking about another episode, the, kind of the uberization of society where everyone's got a, like a buy it now, a want it now right. button, you know. And sometimes I just want solace. I want to just like shut it off and not talk to people. Yeah. In fact, Ryan <laughs> yeah. Howell's the one that you're that mm -hmm. you're talking about. Um, we just had uh, we had an interview with him not too long ago, and it's a great point. And thanks for listening to the episode, by the way. I listen to them all, <laughs> my friend. Uh, that's great. But he, yeah, he, he does. He, you know, he's very protective of the time and he actually talks about how he's willing to walk away from and lose business over it if, if it's necessary. So a question I didn't really have on the, on the books for you today, but I'll ask anyway, uh, and I'll, I'll combine it. Are you willing to lose business over that, uh, to shut it off and protect mm -hmm. that space with your family? And regardless of your answer to that, how do you manage your client's expectations so that they're not expecting that phone call returned in five seconds. Right. So I'm a systems guy. Um, I've always been into systems and uh, kind of making things really um, less difficult. Right. So if there's a way to do if there's a way to do things um, with the system, uh, with a CRM or an ISA or, uh, you know, in this case, like, for instance, uh, TC that I use, uh, who's phenomenal, Aaron with uh, ETC services. So, I know that girl. Yeah, you. I think you know her. You might have met her. I got a pretty months. intimate relationship with her, actually. Uh, we won't go there. Uh, <laughs> we won't talk about that. But, uh, no, but so I, I, you know, I mean, the listeners don't know, but I met you through her. I mean, initially right. we started. Uh, she was my TC, um, and so getting back to your the root of your question is, am I willing to walk away for a business? Not necessarily. Um, in fact, and oftentimes I've come back from a vacation, recharged, and there's more business. You know, you come back and it's like uh, maybe there's more business, you know. Sure. Um, but so I utilize systems. I utilize uh, like 
you know, for instance, my TC when I'm out. Um, I have other people that are on my team that I might hand, and just like in any other uh, real estate scenario, you know, I might hand over a referral fee. I'm, I know I wouldn't say I'd be willing to walk away from business um, so much as planning for it, you know. So maybe having somebody, you know, tell them, hey, look, I've got a client. You know, they've been looking at properties. If I'm gone and they're hot on a property and you pop open the door for me, I'll pay you X amount on a referral fee or something like that. Cool. And if you drop a contract, cool. You know, so I think there's a, a mass abundance of business. And so, yeah, just basically leveraging systems. Um, what was the second part of your question? Nah, it was too long uh, ago. I don't even remember. Anyway. <laughs> no, the second part of the question was how do you how do you manage your clients' expectations? Uh, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. Um, so I'm a firm believer in like transparency, right? Um, but at the same time, I also don't feel like everybody needs to know my business all the time. So there are clients where they don't necessarily need to know. And like if we take our airstream down to Huntington Beach and we're hanging out by the beach, and my kids, my wife and I, you know, I get full cell coverage there. You know, if I get an important phone call or a client calls, I can still, even if I can't take the call right then and there, I can call them back or I can sure. let them know, hey, I'm in a meeting. I mean, that seems to be like the most utilized thing in real estate is uh, telling people like I'm in a meet. I mean, I'm in an appointment. I'm in a meeting. How, you know how that that's got to be. That's not even a system. That's not even a paid for tool. That that is like some of the the best. That is some of the best advice I could give that, you know, I think some of the pro agents that I've talked to or that I've just been exposed to during my career use. It's like exactly what you said. The clients are on a need to know basis mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean that you're neglecting them. But, you know, it's like it, sometimes it's like if you take a break to go to the bathroom, a client thinks that, well, hey, man, um, you shouldn't have done that. You know, right. you absolutely you know, you're my realtor. You need to answer immediately. Like there's no time for dinner. I don't care about your kids, like right. whatever. But it's funny how much forgiveness you get where it's like, you know what? I was actually at an appointment and uh, I, you know, I couldn't take that call. But here I am now. And it's almost funny because you being busy at an appointment validates you. Like right. I coach my kids soccer on the weekend mm -hmm. and it's actually a literal appointment in my calendar is soccer for my child and right. it's an hour and a half and that's it right but someone hits me up or hey are you available on saturday at this time you know what i already have an appointment but uh why don't we go at this time instead right i don't like sit there and tell the world exactly you know? it's not you know <laughs> hey i'm coach i'm busy coaching soccer from this time to this time and sorry i can't you know and we're playing here and it's you know really does the client care do they care i mean i mean some do some some, some like want to hear that personal side and that right. personal element but like you know, you get what you listen to all these metrics and it's like, well, you've got to answer the phone in in, you know, one and a half rings. Right. And then you have to return the phone call in three minutes and 37 seconds or less. Or your chances of getting that lead go down by eighty seven thousand percent and like all this stuff. Right. So it's nice to have your kind of fallback plan to set that expectation. Hey, I'm at an appointment. Yeah. Hey, I'm busy. There's actually a system I've used, which because you asked me before we went on. um and maybe I'm jumping the gun here, like one of the systems I use that I would put out there to other agents uh, or that I would recommend, uh, they kind of will help you free up your time or and or respond to people mm -hmm. in a quicker manner, right? Yeah. So if you have a listing and you've got, you know, 35 people calling you off of Zillow or sign calls or uh, lead, whatever, it doesn't matter what, what source, 
Um, one of the systems that I found helpful, although it's not perfect, uh, and I'm yet to find a perfect one, is uh, Get Riley. Mm. So, you know, uh, that's that's one of those systems where I signed up for it during its kind of beta infancy stage, uh, and within two minutes or less, you your client will get a response from um, generally well, it's from an ISA, but think they're from out of the Philippines. Okay. Mm. So good and bad things here. They're scripted and you can control the scripts of, you know, so someone says, Hey, I'm calling about 10 Mayflower or they're, they're texting. They're basically texting is the way it works. Uh, want some more information about number 10 Mayflower, whatever the address, one, two, three banana street. Uh, then <laughs> doesn't matter if I'm asleep. It doesn't right. matter if I'm in the shower. It doesn't matter if I'm in an appointment. It doesn't matter if I'm on the beach somewhere or where I'm at, they're going to get an, they're going to get a response within under two minutes. Yeah. And I get to view on my phone, the actual, you know, conversation taking place Mm -hmm. and I can take over at any given moment. Yeah. See, and I, you know, this is, this is major key too, because what it does is, is gives you the opportunity to turn off when you, when you feel like you need it most and know that Mm -hmm. it, you know, let me back up. If you have a client that you're already working with in an active transaction or pursuing, you know, on on purchase or whatever, right? You hopefully have already set these expectations, right? right? Yeah. You're not going to have the text message from the Philippines or any other ISA exactly. like hitting them up. No, but, this is more just first point of contact from, you know, and again, it's you you can turn these systems and toggle them on or off. But see, this is really great because I was actually um you know, I was, I was talking to somebody down at Agentology. Uh, it's another mm-hmm. ISA company. And I, I use Agentology and I use Ava. I know you've talked to me about uh, Get Riley. I think they all have some some cost and benefit to them. And, and to Chris's point, there's no perfect system. Right. Uh, but what's really nice and I, what I find most important is that it literally gives you the opportunity to say, you know, from six to eight at night, like I'm untouchable. Right. I'm li- like you literally you can't get a hold of me. And that's my time with my, you know, I have dinner with my family. I tuck my kids into bed. I, you know, you play your computer game, whatever it is that you do. Like, and and maybe you you could do that for 18 hours a day. You could use that 24 hours a day. It doesn't matter. But it's really cool to have that system that you can literally just turn on and off in the times that you need to protect most. Yeah. It also works, I guess, if you're out showing houses and you can't respond to that lead right away or whatever, it, it fills the gap there. Well, and often I find people, it's actually has the opposite effect. Um, you would think people would be kind of put off. Um, but I, I find that they actually are like, wait a minute, this is a real person responding right. at 10 o'clock at night, or this is a real person, you know, you basically have had people come back to me and say, wow, you know, from, from beginning to end, you had phenomenal service and communication. And I think we're in the communication business, right? So this is a contact yeah. sport. We know that with numbers, we can, you know, you talk about on your sales meetings about knowing your numbers, how many contacts you need to make, how many appointments, you know, will generate an actual closing. So we're not going to get into that, but um, I think it, it's, it allows you to step away and really, again, be in the present moment. Like if I had to stare at my phone 24 hours a day because I'm worried about one person getting a hold of me or not, yeah, I would quit the business. I see a lot of these companies are starting to pop up now. And what's really powerful, the, the single most powerful tool in such an automated world is that the most powerful tool that these companies offer is the real human. I don't know if you've actually uh, heard the metric on this, but 
when when a person starts chatting with a bot, mm-hmm. once they realize they're chatting with a bot, the response rate goes down to 14%. That sounds right. So once once somebody realizes there's an actual robot that's they've been going back and forth with, they they stop responding by what yeah. 86%. I mean, it's crazy. So I think that What's interesting in a world where we we go into this, hey, automation is everything and, you know, look at these companies trying to replace the agent. Mm -hmm. But what are people I keep I keep going back to this. It it just it happens. It's present in my personal and my business life. But in an effort to replace the person and automate everything, we're like we're starving for a sense of humanity. That's the thing. You have these devices that, you know, everyone's walking around and bumping into each other wherever you go, right? And texting and driving and other annoying things. I mean, look, (laughs) I'm guilty of it too. I'm not saying that I'm the perfect person. But at the same time, I look and I, you know, we'll have, we'll go out for dinner and I look and I see a whole family of people texting. They're all on their phones or they're playing games or whatever. And then you just go, look, what's the point of going out to dinner? To, or, or a restaurant or lunch or whatever when you're when you're tethered to these devices. So yeah, I kind of look at it as another way of like, okay, well, people they they have the the want it now, uh, you know, mentality. So put them in touch with somebody who can kind of get their basic questions answered, and at any time I can take over the conversation, or I can just call and reach out, text them. And what's cool, I've used Agentology as well, and that you mentioned, um, yeah. I use them for a different purpose. But yeah, Get Riley has, has been really, really cool. The other thing is I use it on listings. When I go to a listing presentation, I don't tell them the name of the system. I just tell them, hey, I have a pr- proprietary system. It's a lead follow-up where within two minutes or less, you get a response. Right. And I only had one seller call me out on it. It was like, that's not possible. I'm like, okay, here's the number. Text. I need more information about you know, this property. Sure. And we sat there and like, it was, you know, under a minute, they got a response. And whether that had a bearing on me getting the listing or not, I mean, I think it was important to them. Sure. Um, Just letting them know, letting sellers know. And, you know, if you're going after the listings, letting them know that they're in good hands um, is important. Well, and what happens in your absence, right? Hey, so you're going on vacation. So who's covering for you? Or, hey, you're at an appointment. Well, I don't want to, you know, I'm the customer. I don't want to lose the opportunity to show my house because you're out working another buyer. Like you're my agent, right? right? So, okay, if you're running a team, yeah, I could have one of my other agents open the door. I have an assistant. I have whatever. Or if you're if you're running a solo business, you almost are obligated to leverage systems at a greater capacity. Now I know you're running a small team, yeah. but that doesn't mean that you have the assistant and you got five buyer agent at your disposal and like all this stuff, right? So you right. have to leverage those systems. So it comes in into play when it when we talk about protecting your time with your family, but also how are you how are you protecting and covering your clients when, you know, when their property comes up on a search that somebody's interested in seeing and you're servicing somebody else at that time, you know? So right. I think you're bringing up a lot of good uh, value here. That's awesome stuff. So let, let me ask you a little bit more about, I'm, I'm going to kind of rewind for a second. We talked about your, you're coming into this business from a background in lending. That's right. So that was kind of more in the intro. It's not like you missed the gun on that, but no, what, talk to me a little bit about that transition. What was the appeal to get into lending? How did that 
how did that journey lead you to real estate? So I went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, uh, went there for architecture. Initially, I wanted to be an architect. That was my goal through uh, high school. Even before that, I just always thought that was something you know, I was always interested in architecture in buildings. Um, so sorry to cut you off, but see the power of setting a commitment versus a goal. Mm-hmm. See, Chris is not an architect now I'm because not an architect because he made a, he set a goal <laughs> instead right. of a commitment. That was a goal. I was not committed. <laughs> no, so I was committed through four of my five years, uh, and then I decided I did my internship uh, for a a architect in Cambria mm-hmm. um, named David Brown. Really cool dude. Uh, and build up construction, um, ground up construction stuff on second homes. Like we're talking 20 to 40,000 square foot second homes. Oh, wow. So these are like Uber millionaire, you know, these are people that kind of come into town and they have their people open the blinds and whatever else, you know what I mean? Um, but I, I didn't feel like being confined to a desk the entire day, every day doing CAD work and drafting, um, was like there was that along with some other things. Uh, I started realizing, you know, my, I was just basically there as a tool to put someone else's vision into place. So the ownership right. of like, you know, so, I mean, yeah, you've got to put in your time and it's an internship, right? So I was probably young and, you know, and uh, a little naive, but I kind of just went, you know what, this, I was passionate about this, but I think I want to go in a direction. Fast forward to kind of the answer to your question. Um, had a friend who was working for a company called Greenpoint Mortgage. Uh, they are now Capital One after the implosion of 2008. Um, Whoops. Yeah. And he was an area ma- area manager for correspondent and wholesale uh, account reps. And uh, I started, you know, like he was a, one of these kind of prophetic guys you'd sit down with. But he would ask you, like, what are you going to do with your life? Like mm. hard questions where you're kind of like, dude, I'm in college, you know, like yeah. I don't, I, I'm trying to figure out what I want for dinner, let alone, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm think- sorry, was that not an easy decision in college is macaroni and cheese, right? pizza, yeah, or, or some, some kind of alcohol. Li- yeah, I was going to say li- liquid <laughs> dinner. So uh, anyway, we started talking and um, uh, an opportunity opened up and I, I knew financially how much, how well he was doing. Uh, that was kind of a transparent thing to me. So uh, I just kind of went, you know, if he'd say like, if he can do it, I can do it kind of thing. But I looked Absolutely. at it from the standpoint of like, I could do this. And so when I, I left Cal Poly, I moved back to LA, which is where I grew up, LA, Malibu Canyon, Malibu, that kind of area. Um, and I interviewed three times for the same position at Greenpoint. Oh, wow. And the first two times, uh, the manager said, sorry, you have no mortgage background, no mortgage experience. You do have a college degree. Uh, but that's, you know, at this point we're looking for someone with mortgage experience. Okay. And tenacity over, you know, basically I just followed up with her, not incessantly, but enough to the point where kind of like we do with our clients, right. It's like follow up, follow up, follow up. And, I continued to call and I said, you know, and I knew, I knew this was a position I wanted. Uh, so she kind of loosey goosey kind of said like, ah, I should have an opening maybe in another like two months. Give me a call. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was doing some other side work and stuff. So at the time, so I called back and, uh, I said, look, 
when when do I interview again for that position? Right. So she basically said on the third time, she says, hey, look, you know what? The position, yeah, I have a position open. Um, I don't need to interview you. I already know your qualifications. And you know what? I think well, you'd be a great fit. So you start Monday. And there you go. So I hung up the phone and was kind of like, holy crap, this, this actually worked, you know? They bought it. <laughs> Suckers. <laughs> right? Um, but so moving on from there, I was so as an inside sales rep, assist, you know, supporting a outside sales rep for correspondent wholesale, wholesale mortgage channels. Um, so I started on the phones. And the first day, the, the girl who I worked for, she basically said, here's a list of numbers. And, like I literally knew nothing about the mortgage business. I mean, I, I had researched it, but I had not been privy to that other than maybe like signing loan documents for my dad while he was out of the country or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I got on the phone and I got beat up, you know, I mean, you get on the phone with these people who are like loan officers that, you know, they want, they want their loans locked in. They want things done. And back then you couldn't, it wasn't online. You couldn't lock loans online. Uh, drawing loan documents was a whole process, fulfilling loan conditions. So, I learned really quickly, you know, and you, you have to have a tough skin, you know, to have, to do that job. Absolutely. But I always saw that go, call goal, call commitment. I was committed to being an outside sales rep at that company. Um, partially at the time, cause I knew how much money they would make. I mean, so that it, it was a monetary thing. It was also, you saw, you know, I would see like, you know, the, the independence of being able to go out in the field and go on sales calls and that kind of thing. So in any event, within four months of being an inside rep at Greenpoint, I was promoted uh, to an outside sales rep, or they called it account executive or business development manager uh, for them. And uh, anyway, so then I was recruited by IndyMac Bank. IndyMac was a REIT, uh, an offshoot of Countrywide, a small little uh, defunct operation now. <laughs> and they used to do the lot loans and construction loans for uh, Countrywide. In fact, the Mazzillo brothers work there. Um, and so, you know, Angelo Mazzillo's sons, he worked at Countrywide and they worked at IndyMac. So in any event, was recruited, 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 um, went to an interview just to kind of mainly just take a meeting and see what they had to offer. And they had to offer a lot. And at that point, I just kind of went, you know what, I got to move on. And I remember when I gave my notice to the, uh, I won't mention her name, but to the person, individual who was my manager at Greenpoint, I remember sitting down feeling so nervous. Like I was going to like, you know, I was giving notice and, and giving her, you know, whatever. So she said to me, normally people would say like, Hey, good luck on your new adventure. I'm sorry to lose you. Like that kind of thing. Instead, she looked me, stared me in the eye and said, you're making the biggest mistake you could possibly ever make. Hmm. And I'm like, well, shit, this may be, you know, I mean, maybe this is like, you know, I don't know. Is this a big mistake? I don't know. So I, right. I remember walking out of there just like feeling miserable and like, oh, my God, I'm just I'm going to change companies. Uh, and you're familiar with corporate climate because you've been in, diff you know, those it's a dance. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. So you got to meet all new people, you know, I mean, it's just like starting a new school, you know, a new school as a kid or whatever. It's like, you, you just walk in there knowing nobody. But, uh, anyway, went to IndyMac, ended up becoming, uh, was rookie of the year, the first year there. 
Um, the production levels ended up closing billions of dollars worth of mortgage-backed securities, um, averaging over 250, about 250 million um, in production, like on an annual basis. Wow. So that's a lot of loans, a lot of paper that comes through your desk and a lot of people we talk to. And so I was familiar with going out, talking to people, shaking hands. Um, you want to know how I got into real estate? Yeah. So, it, so. and that's okay. I, I, I think this is really insightful actually, because you know, it's, it's all real estate related anyway, mm. but what, what in, in that kind of success and that, in that exposure with you know, it sounds like you're on a high, right? You you just got yeah. rookie of the year. I mean, you've been successful. You've been promoted. I mean, people are singing your praises. What what is it that that burnt you out or or just kind of led to the I'm tired of this crap. I'm I'm moving somewhere else. So 2008, which I think changed a lot of people's lives. Great year. Oh yeah, phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenal man. Uh, you know you're you're out there hustling, doing your thing. And that point, you know, we're you know basically just bringing in a, a ton of loans. Um, I actually was responsible uh, through a good, a good friend of mine who I'm still friends with, gave me an opportunity in the home builder division. And Wells Fargo was, was basically my account. So nationwide, all of the retail centers, if they couldn't place the loan with Wells Fargo, they would put it through IndyMac as a second option. Um, there were a lot of, you know, there were a lot of really big accounts. Well, writing was on the wall. We were following kind of the implodometer which was a website that would show uh, all the banks that would implode and all the mortgage companies that would implode. And it, oh, uh, boy. so yeah, we joked for a while. There were a few months there where you'd wake up and you'd check the implodometer, see if your company was on it. And if they hadn't impl- it stopped being a fun thing, it was like, it was you like were, you'd le- legitimately going re- to work today. Yeah. And then okay, if my <laughs> oh, company, man. if my bank's not on the implodometer, I'm going to put on my, uh, you know, I'm going to get dressed and go do sales calls. And uh, go out in the field. And so, was it? Were you excited or not excited when you checked the website? Like, uh, well, so like, what, damn, we're not on it today. I <laughs> got a, I got a call. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're excited that you know we had a little bit more longevity than other companies. You'd start. We started to see a lot of mortgage companies fail, and ba- and big banks. Um, and so working for for them, I had a really good friend. I won't mention his name, but if he ever listens to this, he'll know who he is who uh, was very high up in the company, mm-hmm. called me up one day and said, hey, Chris, cancel all your appointments. It was like a Tuesday. I'm like, dude, I've got 10 sales calls to go on. Like, I'm not going to cancel my, like, what do I need to cancel my appointments for? Right. Dude, cancel your appointments and come pick me up. Okay. And I mean, we're talking, this is like a major in up in up the chain. Yeah. You know, four levels above you. So you're kind of like, Something's going like we're not just going out for lunch, right. you know. Um, so he sat me down. And he just lo- he's looked at me and was like, "We're done. It's over. FDIC's in. They're auditing us right now." And uh, it was very much like the movie The Big Short. Holy crap! Where you know, great it, movie by the way. I mean, I mean, I love it. Like, yeah. But uh, <laughs> I guess the perspective, I thought it was well done. Anyway, that's yeah, a tangent. But it's, I mean, that was very real, right? So yeah. for six months, so they were in there, I want to say about six months, or at least it felt like it. Um, and I was kind of told like, look, you, this, this is, it wasn't really privileged information, but it was like, look, just don't go out telling everybody, like, we're not exactly sure where the cookie's going to crumble. Right. You know, we could be fine. We might weather the storm. And so, um, 
in any event, we were shut down, I want to say September, feels like September of 2008. And prior to that, I was told, you're going to go into a meeting. You know, so I basically knew ahead of time that, that the train was going to hit us. I got you. You know, so it's kind of like, okay, well. Brace what, yourself. What do you do? Do you right. throw out, you know, so um, I forged some relationships in the foreclosure and REO world at that time because we knew the next big cycle or the next big uh, down cycle, what downturn was going to be foreclosures and someone has going to have to clean up the mess. Mm. So I saw a little opportunity there and I had had my broker's license, uh, which was inactive while I was working for them. And otherwise that would have been a massive HR violation. You know, they check <laughs> that stuff like daily. You know, in fact, I remember when I got my license, they said, you know, what are you intending on using your license for? And it was like, no, I just wanted to have it in the event I'll ever use it. Um, Long story short, um, was there when the entire Irvine office of IndyMac was uh, was shut down. Wow. And tears, people crying, hugging it out, you know, couldn't, you know, again, we're talking like, so in the, in the mortgage business, there's, you know, ops versus sales. It's right. always ops versus sales. Right? Mm-hmm. Sales and ops, you know, they're like, oh, you know, you guys drive nice cars and, you know, make all the money and we, you know, we're the grunt, you know, we do this. And I met a lot of really good people that way in that business. Um, and, you know, salespeople, there's some good ones. There's other ones that were just, they take advantage of the situation, go on a draw or go make all this money and blow it. Um, so we, I was laid off uh, with about, I want to say four or 500 other people. Went outside. We were escorted out of the building by security. Um, we went into, a, went into a meeting about 10 o'clock and came out around 11 uh, at the time, the coolest new gadget, my BlackBerry, oh uh, boy, uh, which was company policy, uh, pro- property rather, I, I, it shut off. That was it. Like you came out of the meeting and they zapped everyone's phones. Wow. IT knew that like that was it. The phone was wiped and uh, that was it. Security, you know, grab your stuff off your desk. You're out of here. And then you pulled the real estate license out of your back pocket. Huh. Went straight to the board. No, no. no. So I, I had, you know, I basically kind of went, all right, what, you know, and I remember leaving there, there were media trucks. I mean, this is a very well televised thing where IndyMac was one of the biggest banks to fail, especially in California. Right. It was one of the first biggest banks. Um, people, there was a, like a major run on the bank. People were pulling out money and we were giving away CDs just to try to keep people as customers. Jeez. It was crazy. So... Um, anyway, I just, I kind of remember sitting in the hot tub with my wife and, um, it was, it was after I told her, you know, this is what's going to happen and it happened and just feeling like, what do I do? I said, you know, maybe we ought to take like a, a year long vacation or something. Hell yeah. Or a couple months vacation or something. Just get, just get onto something. That's else. a lot of time in Joshua tree. Right. <laughs> it's like, you know, so, um, that didn't happen. Uh, three days after I got laid off IndyMac, I got my first REO assignment. Wow. And I had never done a residential real estate transaction other than buying my own home. So hold on. So you go and hang your license at the, you, you're, you, you're a broker. Yeah. So did you just do your own thing or did you hang I was somewhere? a broker. So I was an independent broker, uh, almost, I want to say nine, almost 10 years. So, so you got a board membership. Yep. Activated. Activated. And then... How did you get that REO assignment? 
those are details I won't go into. Uh, <laughs> let's just say I forged the right relationships at the time. Um, look, right place, right sure. time. Or sure. right people, right friends. I don't know. Whatever you want to say. or just And that became a big opportunity for you to really open a real estate business with, I mean, how many REO deals have you done? You've Hundreds. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's where the, you know, from 2008 to 2013, um, hundreds of REOs. So the wave started for us. It started Riverside. Uh, was where we started getting most of the assignments. And um, I could tell some tales, man. That was a, an interesting, you know, I mean, it was, yeah. but yeah, my first, my first one was in Norwalk. And uh, I remember just feeling so nervous, like walking up to the door. Uh, I had to <laughs> offer him cash for keys. Wow. And, you know, so that you're given, you know, how much cash you can give them, or it's not really cash, but, you know, check for keys, they should call it. Um that but, sounded sexy that way. Right? Yeah. yeah. How, who should like, I make the how much yeah, should I make the check out for? Here's your check for keys. You know? What's a like, check? <laughs> so um yeah, I've attended hundreds of sheriff's evictions. Um I've been I've had weapons pulled on me. Um I've been in some really nasty situations, but uh at the time risk it was kind of like the risk was was worth it. So maybe we'll call the episode Chris Robertson, a story of survival. You could, yeah, you, <laughs> you know, could. yeah, that's actually a good, that's, that's a good book title for, uh, now some of the stories I've, I've talked to people about, it's like, they're like, dude, you should write a book. And then I kind of go, well, no one would read it. That there's somewhat, the backstory is kind of depressing of like people yeah. losing their homes. Yeah. You have, you know, th- these are the worst times in that we can remember, you know, at least for me in that business. So, so uh, you're, you're pretty like, you know, you're a pretty personable guy and you're a family guy and mm-hmm. you got, you know, wife and kids and, you know, I know you genuinely care about people. What is like, how do you, um, how, how do you handle that? How do you, how do you separate kind of the, the, the humane side of, of you as a, as a person with this really unfortunate situation that, that I get it. it right. Like some of you are cringing out there. Oh, well, they put themselves in that position. Look, I, I get that, but mm-hmm. You know, some people usually when you mess up, it's not like you intentionally planned on screwing the system. Now, I think after 2008, a lot of people found yeah, the loopholes was... and exploited it. But right. in that moment, you're you're starting out in real estate in a pretty dark environment. How do you mm-hmm. separate that? How do you bring that sense of humanity to like a really shitty moment? It's tough, man. You got to compartmentalize. Um, a lot of the things I saw, you can't. I can't unsee. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, we've had murder, death, suicide houses where it's like multiple people. Yeah. I mean, in terrible situations. And then I've had people, you know, it's like talking about these. Some of these, my colleagues are like, should I go door knocking? Like, I'm worried that someone might, you know, tell me to get off their property. And I mean, meanwhile, I'm door knocking, telling them like, hey, you know, you know, you legitimately have to leave your house. But it's okay. I got my checkbook. It's all good. because <laughs> We can do cash for keys and you'll be, you know, um, yeah, that's a good question. I, I think just day by day, man, moment by moment, you just kind of go, I think that's what actually helped me was my me being personable, personable, me being able to talk to people. I, I can talk to probably almost anybody. Sure. And uh, I think the human component and then just coming really from a place, a place of empathy of like, you know, understanding, like not being that guy that shows up, you know, I wasn't showing up in like a suit and tie even though I was called a big bad bankster, um, <laughs> that, which you know, at the time, big bad bankster, I remember that resonated with me. But no, I'd show That's up, you know, in like a polo shirt and jeans, and you know, it was like you don't wear a nice watch and you don't show right. up in a nice car, and you right. just 
your average Joe. You want to just blend in and, you know, these people, they're, these are the, probably the hardest financial times of their life and they're losing, yeah. you know what I mean? You're so going to, you're going to cringe when I say this, but, uh, maybe you'll laugh. I don't know. But you know, there's, there's something to be said for, uh, you know, being the chameleon, you know, you gotta, you gotta have the, the right clothes for the right clientele, the right cars for the right clientele. You know, I know there's, there's some people that we follow, uh, online with, you know, multiple, multiple vehicles, depending on where they're going or multiple Mm -hmm. wardrobes, depending on the price of the house they're calling on, you know, and those types of things, uh, they, they do become important though. And, you know, I know people aren't staring at me right now, uh, which reminds me, I think I forgot to set my camera up to throw this on YouTube, but whatever. Um, you know, I, I'm pretty unapologetic about my wardrobe, but it's because I, I just feel like people talk to me better when I'm just me. Yeah. You know, it's not like I'm wearing an undershirt to every appointment I go to, but like I'll wear the jeans and the button down, but it's untucked. And I don't mind if I'm not clean shaven and I'm wearing flip flops instead of, right. you know, whatever, like, you know, your audience, but you attract the people that ultimately want to work with that personality, too. And I'll tell you what, uh, I haven't had the, the guns pulled on me and the knives pointed at me and all that stuff uh, yet anyway. But I would imagine you probably had a lot less hostility being in jeans and a polo shirt than if you were walking in there like with right. your Rolls Royce and your freaking, you know, suit and ties. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely, <laughs> you, it was a actually, you know, it was an intended thought of like, I literally need to dummy down and water down my, the way I look. Like leave your I, Ferrari at home, right? Uh, <laughs> oh, you're at, a Porsche at that guy. T- yeah, I'm a Porsche guy. Yeah, Porsche so, guy. Uh, oh, is actually, it Porsche or Porsche? I would say Porsche. And right, anybody Porsche, that wants then. to challenge me on that can, can talk to the company. <laughs> As opposed to, you know, anybody that has one, but, um, yeah, and no. So, so that's the thing, right? I had, I had at the time I had one in the garage and, um, I was doing very well financially doing foreclosures yeah. and sort of on a, I hate to say unapologetic. I wasn't unapologetic, but it's like, someone's got to clean up the mess, right? Someone's going to get paid for this, you know, so it might as well be me. And in this, and in the, you know, at the same time I was building up. The portfolio of having done hundreds of homes, having you know met uh, uh, in- investors, doing institutional flips. So effectively, I would do everything soup to nuts, right? Like A to Z or whatever. Go and knock on the door from first knock, giving them cash for keys or evicting yeah. them, sheriff's eviction, whatever it had had to take place, to getting the key place rekeyed, uh, going through it, deciding what needs to be fixed. What can, you know, and, and we had formulas like what, what paint color works to get more buyers in. Right. All that kind of stuff. You so got your systems guys, you've got your systems in place and yeah. you know what you got to do. It's, you know, it's funny you say that. I mean, someone does have to clean up the mess and this is probably a conversation more for a ramble, but like, you know, it's, it's like chasing, uh, you know, it's like an, it's like an, a, law, a lawyer being called an ambulance chaser, right. Or like, right. uh, you know, the, the realtors are vultures. And then, you know, I've, I've gone after listings of, you know, deceased, right? It's, mm-hmm. it redefines the dead lead. <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, I mean, but you know, it's funny and it, people call you a vulture for it, but yeah, it's like, okay, but it's like real shit, right? Like I didn't, like I didn't kill that person and like, we're all going to die at yeah. some point and somebody has to handle that. So like, I just happened to facilitate that part of 
a real estate transaction. Like it's all good, you know, but it's, yeah, you're right. I mean, somebody does have to clean up the mess and you shouldn't be apologetic about it. I mean, you can feel sorry or no, I mean, you have, feel empathy, empathy, you have empathy for these you know? people. Cause you know, I mean, look, they're, they're no different than us other than maybe the they, Porsche. Yeah. Well, maybe it was poor, poor planning. I mean, look, we've all like I could honestly say I've had moments where it went like, crap, you know, I have enough to scratch by this month. And other times where I'm like flush and, you know, the business is hopping and you're like, man, I'm good. And well, let's so let's go down that rabbit hole for a minute. Let's mm -hmm. talk about a poor planning moment. Let's talk about. You know, let's, let's talk about like a dark moment. Oh, for this you. is an easy transition, actually. Oh, well, perfect. So 2014. 2014. Let's go. So 2014 for me was probably the worst year in real estate that I've had. I should say that I've had so far. Right now. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh -oh. um, because I went from and, and this is really where you, you know, this is the mistake I made where you really have to diversify your sources of leads Um not, you know, and at the time I was like the REO guy, um, you know, so I, what I wasn't doing, um, and this is what all your branch managers are telling you to do is like, you should be doing open houses. You should be door knocking or maybe mentors or coaches, whatever you have, right. You should be doing circle prospecting. You should be doing Facebook leads, like all the, whatever, nine to thousand activities that generate leads. Mm -hmm. I wasn't doing that. Right. Um, I was doing REOs. And we, you get so task loaded at any time I had say maybe 40 to 50 properties, um, from any stage of, you know, cash to keys, uh, eviction to, you know, getting painted carpet, whatever, or, and then in escrow. Wow. So, I mean, you're, you're just like, you wake up and you're like go mode and then you, I mean, fall. your day is planned. That's it. And you then you fall yeah. asleep and you're like done and next day do it again, like groundhog day. But, um, the faucet you know, the, the fire hose, I should say, of REOs turned down to like a little drip. Yeah. And I, yeah, I mean, the went, distress market out here now is what? I mean, there's hardly any 3%. Yeah. You know, so it went, you know, I, I, I remember 2014 very vividly because I kind of basically went, okay, what do I do now? You know, like before I was, I've, I've been pretty good at riding the tides, right? So did the, did the uh, lending side, did the correspondent lending side stuff, did really well on the upside, uh, switched gears, retooled, did the foreclosure stuff, did really well on the downside. Here I And then it's like, here I am in 2014 again on the upside, but with no clients, right? Yeah. I didn't have a book of business of people I could call. I mean, outside of my friends, um, you know, you brought up the, the Porsche. Like, give you an example. My Porsche club that I'm a me member of or what have you. We used to go to these like wine, they go like, you know, whatever events. And there was an event where we were at and a guy came up to me as a um, money manager said, hey, Chris, I just sold my house. He was telling me how excited he was that he just sold his house. And I'm sitting there kind of thinking like, are you, are you kidding me, dude? Like, what? this is my business, right? right? You know, so when he got through telling me how wonderful, you know, it was. Um, I think us agents all have this moment. You right? checked your entitlement though at the beginning of this conversation, right? Because yeah, yeah. I, but no, I love the agents. By the way, my favorite agent yeah. is the one that goes, "Son of a bitch, didn't use me. I've known him for years." I'm like, yeah, you and the other 600 agents that everybody knows. But sure. Well, so this but was this fired you up. It sounds well. Like. What ha well, what happened was at the end of the conversation, I said to him, "Well, dude, you know that I'm in real estate, right? Right. 
And because like, so I'm trying to come from a position of self-development and improvement. Like, did I fail somewhere and not tell you of what I do? You know, and so uh, what ended up happening was he he said, dude, actually, I had no idea. He said, like, I knew you were in real estate, but every time I look on Facebook, you you would have like bank owned. So I thought you worked for a bank. Ah. I didn't think you worked for like I didn't think you did like traditional like stuff. I thought you just did bank only. And so there was that day where I mean, I remember I shook my head. I'm like, son of a bitch. Yeah. Uh, and, and here we go. Now I got to water down my Facebook posts. So, you know, basically, you know, all of uh, end of 2013 and 24 that probably I think happened in 2013, 2013 and 2014. The REOs I did have, I did not advertise them as REOs. Mm is basically like another right. another new home on the market, et cetera, et cetera, right? You know, start um, making a different connection now because I started thinking like, how many of these other people do I know that I've made connections with that think I work for a bank? That's big time. I mean, that was a massive head shift for me, like even a mindset set thing of like, okay, I'm if I'm going to continue doing this business, everybody needs to know what I do. I mean, dude, when I started this podcast, I you know. Like anybody has to do, you got to update all your social media stuff and all that, right? I'm still a realtor. I sell houses every day, just like right. everybody else, right? And, uh, you know, add the position to some of my profiles. And I start getting like hit up by past guys. Like, hey, congrats on the new position. Good right. luck to you. And I'm like, no, no, hold, yeah, no, hold on I'm, a sec. I'm, I can still do your real estate uh, stuff. Don't you dare yeah. call. Don't <laughs> you dare call Chris. Like that please is bullshit. Chris, yeah, please call yeah. Chris Robertson. And I'll give you my number. We'll <laughs> plug it at the end. Um <sighs> No, but so that, you know, I don't so know. So you had a mindset shift. I had to, yeah. Basically, it was like, and it, it wasn't an entitlement thing. It was more of like sure. a disappointment. Like, how did how did I let this get to, like, here I am and, and, like, I wasn't really in any position to care about, like, some of these people, the cars bring us together as people, right. and it's not so much about the cars or like, oh, it's a Porsche. It's not about that. It's just about, It's like, a common connection that opens the door to a relationship. That's it. And so when yeah. you start realizing like, holy shit, I failed on even just like the relationship part right. to where people kind of don't even know, you know, then it's like, you know, so anyway, um, I joke about the entitlement. I mean, it sounds like a light bulb moment where it's like, oh, like click. I, I see can, a lot of online. Forums I can change and, the way like mm -hmm. we all think that we're perceived a certain way, right? Like the the way that we talk or the image that we project on Facebook or social media in general, Instagram and all the stories out there like we 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 expect the way that we're presenting it is the way that people are receiving it. And it sounds to me like this was a great opportunity to get some like unwanted feedback that yeah. was pretty honest. Like, yeah. Hey man, Oh yeah. I no, didn't like, see I any totally, of your I, dude, I totally would have listed with you. Right. Like, I, you know, you're a cool dude and I would have loved to work with you. I just, I literally thought you worked for a bank and yeah. then it's like, like, well, I did work for a bank. Maybe he's thinking of like IndyMac days. Right. Right. Know. So that, so 2014, you talk about dark moments. Um, you know, I was an independent broker and I remember sitting there, I was in my office and I just woke up and I remember like going to the office and thinking like, I don't have any, I don't have any clients. Sure. Like I felt like waking up unemployed. Right. But at the same time, instead of sitting there and beating myself up and going, you know, oh, you know, oh, I'm going to go do this instead or something else. I just, I used it as fuel and, um, I connected with some really good mentors and at the time, I did join a brokerage, and I'm not going to get into that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's like the battle I see on these forums is like, which which brokerage is better? You know, the red or the blue one or, or whatever, you sure. know what I mean? And 
I think it really boils down to who, who you connect with. And at the time I connected with some people um, and I decided that I really needed the, the, the tools and I needed yeah. like, so the REO stuff I can do in my sleep. Like literally I can go to a sheriff's eviction tomorrow. I know what I need to do from, you know, A to Z and I'm good. And like, you know, and so moving into, I feel like now I feel like I'm selling gingerbread houses. You know right. what I mean? You're working with, uh, cause you gotta think about it from the standpoint of doing correspondent banking and just looking at a pipeline of loans, but not ever meeting those people that are attached to those loans or those homes per se to then moving into a role of like cleaning up the mess and doing institutional flips and even my own flips and stuff um, to then saying like, man, that's shut off and then going, okay, now I need to like sell, I need to do traditional real estate. Right. So I'm going to go sell, you know, Tom and Mm -hmm. Susie's house they've lived in for 19 years that Mm -hmm. they brought their kids home and from the hospital and that has all these attachments to it. And then you got to polish yourself in that regard. Sure. Now, now you're, and look, I've lost listing opportunities, you know, um, when I first started, I remember how defeating it was. It's like, you know, oh, we think you're a great guy, but we went with someone else and that still happens. And you just go like, oh shit. Okay. I hope I'm not the agent that brings the buyer and negotiates against you, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So I, I always beat you in those negotiations. Chris. That's right. Let's just be honest. Well, but in any event, that's that's kind of my my burnt. I don't know about burnout moment, but that was where I kind of finally went. Like I either need to like stomp on the gas and do something different, and or, or just get out. Yeah, and I I know I know we said we're not going to talk about this, and I, I'm just going to kind of graze over it real quick though. As you know, you mentioned the brokerage that you decided to go with or hanging your license at a brokerage in general became a necessity because you needed access to the tools. So to kind of stomp on what the, you know, this, this demonic question that everybody's always asking, like, Oh, what's the right brokerage and who's better and whatever. It depends what your needs are. It's no different than a, it's no different than a, a, an agent pitching to a seller. Like, here's what I can provide you at the end of the day, it comes down to what does the seller need? And so the the best brokerage to answer all of your questions, right? Let's just we'll shut it down right now. Is it's it depends on what you need, depends on what you're looking for, and what you're trying to accomplish. You hit the nail on the head, dude. It's it's one of those things where often it's a very selfish and and I see a lot like again on forums and Facebook or whatever people what brokerage and you know what's my split. Look, these are important questions. How about asking yourself? Where can I go that my clients will get the absolute best service as a result of the resources that I can use? Big time. Right? So Boom. like let's so you know, I had this kind of mindset shift of like stop looking at things so transactionally. Like stop looking at things, you know, like okay, when it's closed, it's done and we're like start being present in the moment, talking to people finding out their motivation, really getting engaged with these people. Mm-hmm. Um, but oftentimes I see these battles of like, you know, go to here, go to there. No, where splits better. Oh, we're in the cloud, you know, and so, you know, all this stuff. It's like, okay, cool. I'm not pissing on your parade at the same time. Think about what your client's needs are. Right. And so that's my soapbox <laughs> for the brokerage <laughs> choice. I'm not here to recruit you. James can do that. Maybe, maybe you could send everyone a video about that, Chris. There you go. Just kidding. (laughs) 
Um, all right. Well, let me. Uh, thanks for all the insight. I mean, I think that's pretty pretty amazing. So, I mean, you literally had to go through this this evolutionary process of like redefining your business and finding a new way to approach people. Um, I presume that you know you still are doing some. You're you're probably still handling some distressed business as it comes up, but you've diversified now, right? You've, right. You're you're doing a bit of everything, and you know, guys, th- this is a this is really key to just about everybody's business out there. Is I I'm not I'm not saying that you should not try everything, but you do have to focus. You know, the I I don't think you know there's the book the one thing right, which mm-hmm. is so it, it's great on so many levels, but. It doesn't mean that you should only do one thing all the time, right? You have to have – there's a few things that you're good at. So pick your top two or three good things and throw the rest of that shit in the garbage and then just get out there and be the best at those two or three things. But know that that's your – like if you're always generating leads only on Facebook mm-hmm. and Facebook changes their alg- algorithm, I mean yeah. you're fucked. Like Pretty much. Big time, right? Adios. So. You, you, it could be gone in a minute. If all of your business is done by, you know, doing YouTube videos and you've got the best channel on the face of the earth and all of a sudden they switch something up or they disappear, yeah. well, it's done, right? So you yeah, got to you you diversify be, your sources, yeah. man. I mean, that's, that was the biggest, most humbling moment for me to kind of go like, shit, I, how did I not see this coming? Or, or maybe I think just basically not, maybe not not see it coming. We knew the market was improving at that time, but just kind of going like, you know, I could have made different choices. Yeah. And and so Absolutely. now using using that to fuel me to the next level is is key. You know? So you you're you're in a, a more positive place in your business now it sounds like you've got yeah. new systems to give you better consistency so that in a in a difficult situation or a change in the market you're not quite as exposed. I'm uh, rarely getting shot at, which is a good thing. That's good. That's yep. very nice. Uh so what what systems do you have in place now? What you know, give us the bird's eye view. Do you have any favorite parts to your system? Any favorite tools? Anything that you're using that you just feel like, hey, if you're an agent not using this as part of your daily system, right. then you're just an idiot. We talked about Get Riley. I think that's huge. I mean, for me, the the monetary commitment uh, was nominal, and mm-hmm. for peace of mind, sanity, and time saving, um, that's a big one. Uh, look, CRMs. And it's, that's another age old question. It's like, what CRM should I use? And I mean, it's probably asked 3000 times a day yeah. on certain, I'm not going to mention them, but on certain Facebook groups that you and I are both in and they're, you're looking at your feed and you're going, I oh, really, this question again. Yeah. Nobody knows how to use the search function. Maybe I'll do right. a freaking tutorial on that. Right. But so the question, the answer to that question is use the, the CRM that you're going to use is the best one. Right. So I don't care if it's your, so, and I talk to, you know, I do have uh, buyer's agents under me and I do coaching and mentoring for them as well. And some of them, you know, it's like one guy, he uses his iPhone and that's it. That's, that is his CRM. Wow. Better have it backed up, you know, but, um, another one is like big into Excel spreadsheets and, um, he uses like the company tools and stuff like that. But so. I don't know. I mean, system wise, you know, you got to have a, a tight CRM and know, you know, it, your intake of leads. It's basically so you can follow up, set activities, and know, you know, where people are coming from. Know what the motivation is of when they're looking to buy, when they're looking to sell. Mm-hmm. You know, stop asking the question if you know it's like, you know, I don't know. People just every day, you know, I see these ads. Are you know, uh, home valuation? 
stuff like that. Right. Where it's just, you know, when we've talked about this, yeah. right? What's your home worth? Find out today in three easy steps, you know? And it's like, and then they, they dump out when they realize, oh crap, I have to give my real information. Right. So I, I look at it as like, you know, stop focusing on, on just that and start really engaging in what people's motivation, um, the time frame, like when they need, you know, so you can prioritize them. Yep. All that kind of stuff. Um, getting back to systems, you asked me earlier, like what my, my most used, uh, app was, I mean, Instagram, uh, is huge, right? So Facebook did one thing for us. Instagram has done, you know, I mean, and other people are out there going, oh, he's an old dude. Yeah, I got gray hair, you know. I mean, like, <laughs> Silver fox status, man. That's how I roll. So, you know, I'm not a Snapchatter. I must admit, I think I have an account. I don't know how the hell to use Snapchat. My five-year-old does, you know, but mm-hmm. Instagram works and that's yeah. cool. And so, um, you know, the other thing I use is like every day other than email. Um I don't know. There's, I could plug an email. Uh, I could plug an email uh, app that I use. What you got? It's called Polymail. Okay. Okay. So Polymail was actually a developer friend of mine that used it and said, "Dude, you should check out Polymail. This thing's awesome." So it has tracking capabilities on your email, which okay, whoop de doo. Um, but it also has scheduling, so you can schedule out your email. And That's I'm cool. a yeah, I'm a Mac user. I know you kind of poo pooed that because you're all like you know. windows based out of here i feel like the real estate industry has built programs that are more geared towards the the pc as opposed to the they have i mean look in forever we couldn't even get onto the damn mls with from a from an apple and i have an iphone so check this is true okay (laughs) you switch then um but yeah so as far as apps so polymail is a good um a good thing and then my audible account Audible's huge. So when I'm going from appointment, you know, it's like when you're, oh, actually another one, Umail. You use Umail? No, but that's, I've heard about it. And that's the one that does the voicemail to yeah. text. Dude, t- total time saver. Okay. So Umail is awesome. And if you're not on it, you need to get on it. Um, a friend of mine told me about this years ago. And so it sends you, you know, your voice. So number one, your voicemail, if you're using an iPhone, you get to a certain amount of voicemail space and then it's like, this person's voicemail, it's full. Yeah. Which is the worst thing anybody as a client that's calling you ever wants to hear. Right. So you asked about systems. That's one where, yeah, so it call it transcribes all of my voicemails. Uh, it sends my voicemails to me in like a wave or MP3 or whatever. That's cool. Well, what's cool is if maybe there's a referral, there's somebody that I'm that I want to hand off to another person on my team. Um, I can just forward that voice, that voicemail by email. Um, you know, it also blocks out spam. So that's a pretty cool app. Um, so let me ask you this. We've got uh, kind of on the same, you know, we're giving a lot of advice on apps and, and systems and stuff. There's a lot of advice that goes around in Facebook groups and, you know, private chats and forums and, you know, whatever blogs, all kinds of shit out there. Mm Mm-hmm. What is like the absolute worst advice that you see being given to new agents that you just, that, that, that like terrifies you? Oh man. Give me an example. One of yours. Well, shit. Nobody's supposed to ask me. the question. <laughs> That's right. No, you're, um, you're the interviewer. Um, <laughs> uh, dude, I, you know, I think 
anything I cringe at. I think what happens is business. There's a lot of people getting licensed. It feels like 2005 again. To yeah. Me. It feel in that, you know, there's some uncertainty there. People are going, you know, buyers are waiting on the sidelines. There's multiple offers. You did a podcast on how to get your multiple offer, how to get uh, when there's lack of inventory, how to create inventory. And yes, I listened to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, I think just the, the naivety of, of certain things going on right now. You got so many people entering into the business and everybody's looking for the magic golden ticket. Sure. Um, and I don't know that it's like negative. Ad- what, what did you ask? Like the advice? Or- well, it's like, what's like the worst advice you hear given to agents? So I'll give, I'll give you mine. I'll, uh, I'll yeah. answer the question. So mine is, is when agents come in and they go, they go to some of the classes that are offered out there and they're told to memorize the scripts right. and to get on the phones and call, you know, Fizbo's and expireds. And I kind of look at it and go, listen, I, there's a lot of success in that. Okay. Sure. I'm not, not knocking it. But we talk about adding earlier, we talk about adding a sense of humanity to the business. We talk about, uh, you know, being a person and treating people like people. And I think understanding the scripts is important because it helps you know the objections you're going to hear. Right. But memorizing the scripts is bullshit. You got to make your own. You've got to you've got to humanize the interaction. So to me, I think that there's too much focus on memorize the book instead of understand the concept Right. And make it work for you. That's huge. So comprehension of the scripts, right? It's like tearing them apart and going, well, what's the real big idea? What's the actual questions being asked? Why am I asking? You know, nobody wants to hear a robot, man. Like I get these calls all day long, sales calls. And it's usually, you know, I wouldn't say lenders. There's there's a whole bunch of, you know, the people making the most money in this business are the people developing like apps and systems to sell to realtors. Right. Right. Or, you know, the shiny the, the new shiny thing that's right. going to make turn your business, you know, to 10 times, you know, the more business that you're doing or whatever crap they're trying to peddle. But I guess what I'm saying is I get these calls and it's these people and, you know, and you can tell they're reading from a script right. and it's like, dude, slow down. What do you, what do you really want to ask me? If and, you take them off the script, by the way, and I do challenge people with this, yes. anytime I get a sales call, I'm like, Hey man, Hey, hold on a sec. I'm happy to hear what you have to say. I respect the fact that you're making the call and that's fine. Um, But if you want to keep talking to me, you need to you need to close the notebook and you need to just like I want to be treated like a person like everybody else. So like what what are you pitching? And it's amazing how much they'll stumble. It's totally amazing. So reverse of that is going to be what's what's the best advice that you could give? Well, no, I can answer the question. So I think the worst advice that I hear being um, kind of put out there is when you're a brand new agent, what's the What's the first thing you can do when you're a brand new agent? Join a team. Um, okay. So I'm not saying that's bad advice because mm-hmm. we both have teams, right? Yep. Um, but then you ask the people or you're interviewing them or maybe you're, you're a branch manager or your mentor, whoever, someone on your, your productivity uh, operations managers interviewing these team, these prospective team people. And they go, why do you want to be on a team? Uh, leads. I want right. the leads. And so, you know, it's like thinking that you're going to um, join a team and magically get the best leads ever, right? And we, we've talked about this. Yep. So I guess bad, you know, it's not bad advice. If you're going to join a team. Know you what sh- you're joining for. Know what you're joining for and actually come from a position of abundance and, and also respect the fact that these team leaders have come from, like, it's not their first day on the job. And they've built a business that's sustainable 
and they are giving, you know, maybe they're giving you mentorship. Maybe mm-hmm. they're giving you like mm-hmm. go go to someone who you respect, um, but don't just go there for the leads. Because right. dude, I can buy leads on Facebook just like you. Yep. I can buy, you know, I add space on PPC stuff, anything I want to do. I can go advertise, you know, send out EDDMs. Uh, and the or, team lead's not going to just start giving you leads that no, you don't know what to do with. No, they're going to cherry pick them with. half the time anyway. So it's kind of like... Even if they don't, though, the right. team lead's never going to just start giving you the leads because right. you joined the team, you're the new agent, you're whatever. Right. They're going to go, okay, that's cool. Well, if you don't mind, I'd like to teach you all the shit that you need to know how to do before I start giving you leads. Right. Like, there's a yeah, lot more You to need to make sure they can that. handle them. Um, I think... I think that kind of, I don't know, not bothers me, but just kind of rubs me. It's like, you know, people thinking that they, and I guess also thinking like, look, some people need to be on a team. Yeah. I get that. There are people out there kind of floundering, like, what the hell do I do? Yeah. You know, and what do I, where do I start? I mean, it's such like, it's such a vast, uh, real estate is such a vast space with so many opportunities that you could be an expert at anything. Um, you just have to figure out what that is. Right. Absolutely. Hope that answers your question. It does. Yeah. So, you know, going back to the, the the team side of things, it's interesting you say that about the leads because I, so I just, I just recorded a commercial for my team and it's, it's pretty casual format and everything, but there's so many people that come in and say, like you, you mentioned, I I'm here because I want to get some leads mm-hmm. and you know, that that's why I want to be on a team and I want to close deals. And of course you'll win because I'll close those deals for you. And you gave me the leads and I sit there and go, gosh, the, the leads I can give you are good, but it's definitely not the most valuable thing that I can provide as a team lead. Right. right. Over time, my expectation is if you're on my team, that you're going to use my systems and leverage the knowledge I've given you to be able to generate your own stuff. So on the, the commercial that I just, get ready to put out actually it's kind of in the editing stage but what i do is i'm i'm telling everyone on the front end i'm going to guarantee you leads but you get 15 and that's it mm-hmm. so you get 15 leads i'm going to give you your crm i'm going to give you your email i'm going to pay for business cards i'm going to pay for your your listing signs i'm going to mm-hmm. get you all dialed in you got an office to work out of the whole thing but you're going to also have to invest into your business right and so i'm actually having agents that are coming onto my team right now make an investment in their own business and they pay a monthly fee yeah and the reason they pay the monthly fee is not because I'm profitable on it. It's because now there's something that makes them feel less complacent. Well, look, go, weeds, Gosh, I, I'm yeah. running, you know, I mean, it also weeds out the, the takers. You know? right. I mean, there, I've had I have had. So my you asked me earlier, like what my goals were, commitments, what have you, what I want to do, where I see myself going and um, to keep it short. I don't have a goal. There's a lot of teams of like the megas and the minions, right? So you have like a rainmaker sure. that just, you know, they pass out leads and then they do their volume, you know, they do whatever. And they, they kind of like, they they can't check in with anybody. They're too busy to even talk to. Right. Um, and, and then it's like, well, what am I here for? Right. And then you have the husband wife teams, right? And that's cool. If that's you, I, you know, I would never be in that situation, but then what I want to have is this, you know, Navy SEAL, like focused, just, you know, small team, but effective, right? So there's, yeah, everybody's happy to be on the team. Everybody's happy to be at a, like a collaborative collective type team where we all win. And then when you asked earlier, like, how do I go on vacation? Well, there's times when I have my teammates or team members or, you know, like I said, that my TC handle stuff for me. Yeah. And that's okay. And as long as you set those expectations up front with your clients, 
they're usually pretty cool about it. In fact, excluding one that I can think of, almost every one of my clients is like, dude, you're going out to Joshua Tree or you're going wherever. You're going to there. Oh, that's so cool. Have a good time with your family. Right. That almost always is like, Absolutely. dude, have a great time with my family. And then I tell them like, look, you know, you're still in good hands. Mm-hmm. I can still be reached. I, you know, I'll be checking my phone. And he, there's really only, well, now I can take count of two. <laughs> one, of my, <laughs> one of them I passed on to Aaron and that deal closed uh, while we we're out there. But anyway, um, yeah. So I, 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 I think my, my point was don't join a team just for the leads. Join the team. You know, if you're going to join a team, you feel like that's what you need to do. Uh, because you you don't have the business yet. You know, for me, I won't say it was easy because I had guns in my face, right? But like getting hundreds of REOs and, and sales under my belt right. took time. That wasn't an overnight process. But now I can sit down at any seller and any listing appointment and say, I've got hundreds of homes sold. Yeah, I think there's a big, I think there's a big misunderstanding when people get their license that all of a sudden you're going to just, you know, you're going to stumble into a shitload of business. I got my license. Now everyone's going right. to call me. It doesn't work that way. So, um, that might actually be something we, we ramble on for a bit and be kind of interesting. Um, what was I going to ask you? Oh, so I wanted to ask you, what is the, was that the best advice that we did? We just, I think we said worst advice what was the worst advice. All right. So on the reverse side of that, maybe uh, you said best worst advice. Yeah. What was the best worst <laughs> advice? So for a brand new agent, that's just starting out, what is the absolute best advice that you can give them? Join a team that gives you leads. <laughs> <laughs> and only, no. Um, no, just realize that, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, right? And this is something one of my mentors. Madness. You know what I mean? It's it's like uh, immerse yourself. There's so much free. I've got, I've become a fan of the Google that shit, you know, GTS. Anyone says, oh, I don't know how to do this or GTS. Put it in your little Google box, mm-hmm. you know, like if you can read, you can figure out how to do anything. And th- and thinking back to maybe a year ago, I can almost guarantee maybe two years, you had no idea how to utilize these little microphones I'm talking into and the podcast stuff. That's but, true. But you learned and you learned the equipment you needed and you talk. So really like immerse yourself in the business it's a contact sport. Talk to as many people as you can talk to. Sit open houses even if you hate doing it. Try to figure out what system works for you. Take coffee. Take lunches um, with people who can help you generate business. Like I very rarely – you know this about me. Like I very rarely go and have lunch with other agents. Right. I do know that about okay? you. Okay. And I mean that that's really much an intentional thing unless it's an agent I'm in a, con- a, a transaction with – or somebody I've done a lot of transactions with, or someone I highly respect like you, where I consider you a friend, um, I might have lunch with you, right? But the, there's a maybe, re- maybe. But the reason <laughs> is because I can be having lunch with someone who can potentially maybe a referral partner, a lender, you know, like utilize people who will support you. You know what I mean? I don't know. That's maybe you know what? what that's that is especially if you're new, you should just rewind and listen to that again, and then when you're done, rewind and listen to that again. Think about who you're spending your time with. Mm-hmm. It's important for you to surround yourself with people that you can learn from, but don't prepare yourself out of business. And at some point, you've got to stop learning from the book and learning from watching and actually learn by doing. And by the way, it's okay to fail. 
Fail as much as you can because failing is what's going to teach you your greatest lessons and get that out of the way as early as possible. If, if, if you didn't catch what Chris just dropped on you, it was massive. You absolutely have to focus on being out there. Too many agents go into the office and spend their time talking to other agents right. to make themselves feel busy. Mm-hmm. It's exactly why we do short form sales meetings once a week here because too many agents go to the office on their their weekly broker meeting and they literally spend two thirds, three quarters of a day at the office. Right. Going, well, yeah, it was a sales meeting today, a pretty productive day, got a lot yeah. done. How what'd was, you, what'd how you was get your done? open house this weekend that yeah. I don't care about? It, Look, and it, I'm not I'm not like poking fun at that. I'm just saying like- It's a, a legit deal though. To a new agent, you know, and, and like looking back, because this is a look back on you know, the questions you asked me. I'm looking back at my life here going, okay, when I did got my first foreclosure listing, first REO assignment, I had never done real estate before. I had to get out there and knock on the damn door. Right. And I, w- I knew I it was like, okay, I might fail. I might, you know, don't, and don't be afraid to ask questions too, you know, and lean, lean on people, but make it p- the people that profit off of you, like your branch managers, you know, that are out there and that kind of thing. So I don't Absolutely. know. That's what I would say. That's kind of my best advice for this particular moment. Well, we're, we've been sitting here talking for a while with Chris Robertson, dropping some major value bombs, sharing some of his darkest moments, reminding us that you've got to diversify your lead sources. You can't put all your eggs in one basket and make sure that you are always attentive to who you're surrounding yourself with and ultimately just getting your ass out in the field and making it happen because the business doesn't just come to you. You have to attract it. So, uh, Chris, as we wrap things up, can you give us some final thoughts? And then maybe share with our listeners how they can get a hold of you, how they can follow you or keep up with you. Absolutely. You know, well, number one, thank you for the opportunity. Um, and thanks for all the listeners out there uh, who, you know, uh, I think it's one of those things where you obviously you're listening to this podcast just like I listen to it because you want to gain some, you know, gain some knowledge of something. Right. And whatever. Or maybe you're filling your time as you're driving from one appointment to another. Like literally I came from a listing appointment over here to you. And as I was driving over here, I put on your podcast. Cool. Thank you. Well, mostly dude, I want to know like what questions this guy going to ask me, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, no, how you can, I'm curious to know what questions I'm going to ask. Exactly. So, um, as far as, uh, how you can connect with me, uh, it's pretty simple on Instagram, on Insta, as they say, right. Uh, real estate OC, it's just spelled real estate OC. It's pretty simple. There's no underscores, no real estate OC. That's it. Wow. Um, and uh, or Facebook. I'm on Facebook. But um, that's it, man. I, I guess, as I said, I value being, you know, one of the number one, you know, even considered to be on your on your highly revered podcast podcast as far as in its infancy world renowned i was kind of pissed though i didn't get a, a free shirt like a you, you had shirts re-raw shirts yep, you yep. had some re gear absolutely apparel there's lit- like we're in an empty office there's literally nothing in here i was told <laughs> I, I was Chris actually, has a gun to his head right yeah, now and uh, actually yeah. i was bribed that there was going to be beer or alcohol <laughs> some sort of beverage that's not that's not the case um yeah, man. I drank all that while you were at your listing <laughs> appointment, so I'm sorry, sorry to disappoint. But uh, no, I really appreciate you being here, Chris, and uh, really the, the pleasure's all mine. It's uh, it's great to have you, you hey, folks. We've been talking to Chris Robertson all day. I'm gonna post his uh, his social his social links to Insta uh, in the show notes. So 
as we close things up, I just want to remind you to go over to reraw.com. That's R-E-R-A-W.com. Subscribe to the email so that you're not missing new episodes as they come out. Again, I'm not going to harass you on a more than appropriate level, less than appropriate level. I'm not going to harass you on 80 mm-hmm. less than an appropriate level. I don't you're know if any of this makes sense. Just you're going to get yeah. harassed. Just put your freaking email in there That's so right. I can keep up with you. And, uh, you know, most importantly, as you're out there in the field or you're thinking about what to do today, just just work, you know, just work. Real agents work. You absolutely need to be one of them. I hope you guys have a kick-ass rest of your week, and we'll catch up with you on the Ramble session. Thanks, Chris. Hey, everyone. James Hoff, your host of Reraw. As you probably already know, listing leads are the crown jewel for agents. There's an old saying that says those who hold the listings have everyone else working for them, hence why listing leads are so valuable. But the acquisition cost for a listing lead is far more expensive than a potential buyer, and sadly, these leads are rarely exclusive to just one agent. Fortunately, Offers.com has all of us covered. I personally use them to target likely to list homes, and what's best is that my territory and the leads in it are mine exclusively. Offers.com is leading the way in predictive analytics for real estate. Not only do they verify high-quality leads, but they have exceptional tools to help you with your follow-up and nurturing by providing you things like market reports or hand-addressed letters that can also be sent to your prospects, to name just a couple. The strategic approach Offers.com has to identifying prospective home sellers takes a lot of the guesswork out of who you should be targeting for your next listing. If you're looking for listing leads and you're tired of paying for a shared lead, contact Offers.com today and see what they're all about. You can actually set up a demo with my personal rep by visiting www.reraw.com forward slash O-F-F-R-S. That's www.reraw.com forward slash offers. One last time, that's reraw.com forward slash O-F-F-R-S.